0: Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is a show that we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. So make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here, as well as getting some killer free stuff by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you want to know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, check out the toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, even relationship management and breakups. That stuff is all obviously extremely important to your success, so make sure you get a handle on that as well. We've also got our boot camps and our live training running every single week here in Hollywood, California. Details on that at theartofcharm.com, or just give us a call or even email me, Jordan H. at The Art of Charm, and I'll tell you exactly what you need to know to get started with that. I'm looking forward to meeting all you guys here at The Art of Charm. Today we're talking with John Janch from Duct Tape Marketing, We're gonna talk about how building a personal brand is the ultimate source of power, regardless of whether or not you're in your own business or whether you're working somewhere else, and why it's not just about, quote unquote, being authentic. We're also gonna discuss why you must develop a specific point of view and stick to it, how you've gotta write and speak to contribute and create your own value, which I know sounds cliche, but trust me, we're gonna back it up, and how to build a platform for your ideas, whether in a workplace or in your own business, and again, how to use online tools to create connection instead of just noise that and more with John Janch from Duct Tape Marketing enjoy So you've been called the world's most practical small business expert that's a pretty cool title and I think the key is that you're delivering proven ideas tactics things like that instead of just motivational
1: speaking would you say that's accurate Well yeah and all the other titles were taken there are a lot of folks out there that do uh, a lot of inspirational speaking, and I think there's a place for that, and I get inspired when I hear a really good speaker, but I think a lot of times we want to just, we want to go to something and have somebody tell us here are five things that you need to do, and you need to do them this way, and you need to do them today.
0: Yeah, I think one of the reasons I started The Art of Charm was because we started off as a dating show six, seven and a half years ago, and it just was saying put yourself out there or just smile and stand up straight, it's just kind of like BS advice that people give. It's like the advice when your kid goes, "Ah, oh, I'm getting bullied at school," and you go, "The other kids are just jealous," and you're like, "Ugh, I don't know why." But then, meanwhile, you're nobody knows the answer. It's like the same thing with small businesses or business advice. People go, "Well, I'm successful, so I guess uh, I don't know. Follow your passion and like be a dreamer." and put yourself out there and network a lot. Okay, thanks. Bye. And that just doesn't cut it. doesn't cut the mustard.
1: The new kind of terminology that you hear people saying over and over again is you just, you know, now you have to be transparent and authentic. Those are a couple of my favorites. It's like, okay, how do I get that onto my website? Right. (laughs) And, And obviously it's important advice, but I think there's certainly a place for somebody who can break it down you know, how each individual goes about being authentic and transparent is unique. And that's the part that's, uh, I think there's a place for the manual.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important because at the end of the day, you know, I love telling people that they need to be authentic and transparent. But at the end of the day, I want them to know how that's done and not just, because again, it's kind of like saying, be taller, be confident. How am I going to do that? I don't know how to do that. You know, if I could bottle confidence, we'd be having this conversation on my yacht.
1: So, oh, well, actually, the be taller one. I'd I'd actually like to see you do that one. I'm first. sure you
0: would. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, if we're talking about you know being authentic, being unique in that way, so what would you say is is some of the good places to start for us, budding entrepreneurs, or even people that aren't entrepreneurs but want to apply this stuff in their personal life? If there maybe maybe there's a 28 year old kid listening and he's new and he's in a sales role at work, what can he start to look at? Because I know you talk a lot about your brand being or your personal brand being the ultimate source of power. And that's really important because I think everybody's got a personal brand regardless of whether or not they're using it to sell something other than themselves or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the the key point really in that is that, that every person, every business has a brand. And I think the, the only question is whether or not they're using it or tapping it uh, or, or building it intentionally. And I think that's so important. If you're going to be authentic, that you, that you understand what your personal brand is and that you direct it. And that doesn't mean that you make it up and that you, you know, if you want to be cool, you know, you have to do certain things to be cool if that's just not you. I think what you do have to do is establish a point of view, establish here's what I believe in, or here's, uh, here's what I'm an expert in, or here's what I'm interested in. So I'm going to be better at that than anybody else who ever thought about it. And I think that whether you are, a salesperson or you are an entrepreneur or you're that person kind of trying to work your way up the ladder at work i think it's important that you be seen as kind of a go-to person for something
0: yeah that makes sense because at the end of the day and you and i sort of talked about this offline before we we got in studio here was that perceived experts get paid more and emphasis one on perceived experts right. perceived and two they get paid more and that's sort of whether we like it or not and this is a double-sided issue for a lot of people, myself included, because the thing is, I can't stand when somebody is like, oh, I'm an expert in this now. And I go, what do you know about that? I've known you for years. And you just started researching this like three weeks ago. And suddenly you're starting a podcast about it. I mean, how dare you kind of is the first thing that comes to my mind. But then on the other hand, it's also like, well, I don't want to say that this person needs to go to graduate school on this particular subject, because I know plenty of academics get PhDs on subjects that they they actually can't do much with. It's interesting because it's easy to just suddenly declare you're an expert one day. It is important to be an expert or a perceived expert somewhere, but there's kind of like a credibility gap. How do we start to manage that? I mean, if I'm in an office right now and I'm going, all right, well, I guess, you know, I know a lot about, for example, digital currency or something like that, and I work at a bank and nobody else seems to know, I'm now the perceived expert on that subject... But I have to be careful not to overstep my qualifi- my actual qualifications, which are that I've just read a ton of blogs and listened to a lot of podcasts about digital currency, and I'm not actually a creator of, I didn't make Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Right.
1: yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is to understand that you don't get to designate yourself an expert, even though a lot of people do. Yes. You don't create authority or demand authority. It's, it's sort of given to you by your actions. And I, this Bitcoin person that you're talking about, not everybody has this opportunity necessarily, but if I'm that person, I start writing about that. I start uh, interviewing people that are already not only perceived, but actual experts in that. I mean, it, in some cases, you're making the decision to do something like that because it might be useful in your job. It might be something that uh, that could get you ahead. But all the more, if in fact it is something that you happen to be interested in, that you happen to be good at uh, understanding and good at explaining, because I think that that's really when somebody becomes an expert it's because they have put in the time and the work and and they've educated people and they've they've gone to the resources uh, that really allow them to gain extra knowledge but i think that the real key and and this is where a lot of people drop it is when they get really good at teaching other people about you know whatever that topic is i think that's when that that sort of expertise mantle starts uh, being applied and not in a look at me, look at how much I know kind of way, but in a way that is valuable to those people that are around you. Perfect.
0: And that makes perfect sense, right? You're sort of given the title, even if you don't have the quote unquote paper to
1: back it up, right? Absolutely. And sometimes it takes time. You know, that person that's the newly minted expert in something new every six weeks. I mean, part of that is they don't have the time or the patience or the Uh, inclination necessarily or interest. And I I think what your point of view or what your thing you're going to be an expert about, it's probably a pretty good idea if it's something that truly does interest you, because some of this teaching people, becoming an expert, uh, building your personal brand authority. Some of it is just a lot of grunt work. The people that are willing to put in that time at night, uh, that are willing to look at this as an asset that they're building for their career and, and maybe for their life uh, are people that are probably doing something they enjoy because uh, they're willing to put in that extra time.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of non-glamorous stuff that happens behind the scenes. Even here at The Art of Charm, you know, I've been working at this business for seven plus years, eight years, something like that. You know, it's funny, I'll go to these events where there's other entrepreneurs and they're like, man, you're just living the dream right now. And I'm like, yes, but, you know, yesterday I spent four hours farting around with iTunes or something, or like, you know, this morning something happened and I had to go edit out, blah, 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 and it was tedious. And I I could have outsourced it, but it would have taken a long time and not gotten done right. And, you know, oh, I lost $60,000 last quarter from, you know, insert dumb error here that... Makes me want to just like throw myself down a flight of stairs. And there's so much of that. And people don't want to do that because it's kind of an Internet age thing where people go, oh, I'm just going to get paid to exist because I created some mediocre value asset and dot, dot, dot profit. Right.
1: Yeah. And then I got acquired course, that's right.
0: The, yes. The, getting acquired in yeah. the Silicon Valley
1: version of <laughs> paid to exist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's no question about that. And of course, I, I think YouTube and all these other things that have come along have just only enhanced that idea that, you know, everybody that is internet famous is an overnet success. And, you know, we all know anybody who's been doing this for any amount of time realizes that it takes a lot of things that people don't see, you know, to get to that point. I've written now four books and People ask me all the time that want to write a book. Gosh, how long did that take you? And, you know, I honestly tell people my first book took me 25 years to write Ah. uh, because that's, you know, that's about about how long I'd been doing this stuff before I got the idea or or acquired the knowledge uh, that made me uh, able to write about something people wanted to read about.
0: Let's get back to the show. Perfect. And so how do we get started on this journey? Because honestly, that's what it is, like a massive journey. How do we get started? If Even if we're 45 years old, we've got to be able to go, oh, that's maybe why I'm in a rut. Maybe I should start to become this, you know, working on this skill set. I mean, do we have to develop some sort of specific niche point of view or skill set and, and really stick to it? And how do we find the right one?
1: Yeah, I I don't know if you have to develop a niche. I think that's kind of a misnomer. You see a lot of people giving advice about how you have to have this really narrow niche that nobody else thought about trying to serve. And you create a website around that, and that's how you build this massive brand. I I don't think there are any of those niches left (laughs) for anybody to to explore. I think what you have to do is actually uh, provide value. And I know that that's I know we're verging on that. OK, that sounds really inspirational. But, you know, how do I do something with that for me? And all I can do is use my experience. One of the things that I did that provided the most amount of value, I think, for my brand and for my business uh, was that I said, you know what? My point of view about marketing is and is going to be that marketing is a system. I'm not going to talk about the idea of the week. I'm I'm going to say, you know, this system has these seven foundational elements and yes, they may evolve or they may change over time, but essentially these fundamental elements and this point of view about what marketing is and how to employ it and install it. Uh, in a small business is X, and and I'm going to say it in, until I'm blue in the face, and I'm going to come back and say and find another way to say it, and then I'm going to find another way to say it, and I'm going to write about it in uh, some something like three thousand two hundred and forty seven blog posts now over the last ten years, and I think that that's the part that's very difficult for people because it does take time. It does take a lot of work. But I think the first thing uh, or maybe the whole point I'm really trying to make is that you need to grab on to something that you say, this is what I stand for. Now, I, I, I actually have boiled it down to one word and, and we actually work with uh, business owners all the time about this idea of, you know, once we help them develop kind of what the point of view or core message about their business is, we we want ultimately the goal to be that when somebody says, oh, XYZ business, particular customer, obviously, somebody that's experienced XYZ business, that they're actually able to articulate what that business stands for in one word and i think that that what 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 happens so often with people is without that focus we're willing to just go whatever direction you know whatever new social network whatever this thing comes along that we think we can make a buck we'll jump to that and that's your six week expert that phenomenon that occurs and i and i think that that idea of of boiling what you stand for down to one word is probably the most important thing you can do to get started on this journey
0: wow and how do you start to dig for that
1: well, I think a lot of it it becomes psychotherapy, you know <laughs> in some cases when you when you start working with business owners. But I think that in my experience is at least that particularly small businesses and when we're talking about personal brands, I mean a lot of what your the essence of your personal brand is is really just who you are and who you're being, and I think that in many cases we get forced into being people that we aren't and putting on masks that don't really fit us uh, because that's what everybody in that industry does. It's really kind of refreshing when you find somebody who really gets that idea. You know, that's when you start building that authentic business. Uh, for example, again I'll use myself, uh, the one word that uh, that I've worked tirelessly on uh, attaching to what my brand stands for and that's the word practical. That's a word that of course you took it right off of my bio, but it's a word that I think that if you were going to poll in fact i have done this polled uh, my readers uh, that would be the word that that would come up 70 80 90% of the time and that to me it just feels really right that's you know well all i really tell people that i do is that i i coach people to do the stuff that i do that seems to work and i just tell them how to do it and that's a very practical approach and you know in my particular case it's been the essence of really, I think, why my brand has gone to where it has, and obviously some of that has to do with the fact that it also, you know, that word "practical" you know runs very counter to what a lot of the advice is out there uh, that people are receiving. So that obviously, uh, in some cases, uh, when, when you're building a personal brand, actually having something to build it against really helps uh, your your point. I mean, if everybody's out there being practical, it's a little hard to stand out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's true. It is true, but on the other hand, the results are what stand out. If you're being practical, because I'm big into practical, actionable steps for guys on this show, I don't like any kind of real fluff or or vagary. If guys can't get practical takeaways from what we're doing here, then it doesn't matter. The whole thing is for naught. And if they can, and then they go out and they get results with that, then the results are what measure. Your impact, right? Because if if I'm telling somebody how to paint their house an appropriate color and they do, they're like, "Oh, thanks, man." But yeah. if I do something that's practical or give somebody something that's practical that changes their, the way they relate to everyone around them forever, that's bigger. That's a bigger result. So that creates your impression kind of while you sleep, right? It's like passive reputation creation or something, right? And to, if we're gonna spin it in a gimmicky way.
1: And I think that really comes down to, and and I'm guessing that this has a lot of what drives you, is when you start seeing people get those results, I mean, that really – that becomes my purpose for doing so much of this is because I have found that if I take this stuff and I make it something that seemed really hard – Uh, Seem very simple, and because of that, people actually do it and they get results. Uh, Then I get a real thrill out of that because I think owning a business and growing it in the fashion I've been able to is one of the coolest things in the world, and I want everybody else to get that.
0: Yes, I agree exactly. So, how do we start to build our platform? You know, once we've got our our development going and we're kicking and writing and we're speaking as much as possible, or or not, or just doing what we need to do to get ahead. In our career, how do we start to build a platform? Or is that important for everyone, or only for people who have businesses?
1: I, you know, I think it can be important for everyone. It, obviously, it just comes down to degrees, maybe, of of what you're doing and how active you are doing that. I, I mean, once we we take this this idea of developing your own point of view and your one word. And obviously we'll, you know, for a lot of business owners, we'll turn that into a core message so that they've got now a practical marketing message that they might use. I think then, then before the platform, quite frankly, is, you know, a lot of times you have to kind of then build a a methodology or your kind of foundational topic that you're going to go out there and talk about and maybe even some of your own proprietary language that helps kind of explain your difference, your core difference. But in terms of going back to your question about the platform, then I tell people, I think almost, you know, without exception somewhere, some place in which you can write content. A blog is obviously one of the easiest places to send people because it's just software that makes it very easy to to add content. You don't have to have a lot of technical expertise. It's easy for people to consume that content, subscribe to that content. It's easy for search engines to find it. So clearly, you can build your reputation by, by simply writing about the topic in which you've chosen to write about. And if you are that salesperson, for example, and even if your company is a, has a full marketing department and they're putting out all this content, you are. Seen as that person in an industry or selling a certain type of product who, you know, if I go out and I search online and I'm finding answers from you uh, uh, about some of the questions I might be having, you know, particularly early on in my search for a solution, then this is a tremendous competitive advantage, I think, in in terms of, you know, you compared to maybe that other company or that other salesperson that's knocking on my door. And so having a place where you can write content that is found. That is shareable uh, by by your market uh, by you know people that uh, that are looking for what you do uh, is clearly a way to stand out. Now you take it up another notch. Uh, what we're doing here today, I, I love podcasting. I think podcasting has so many applications, uh, and I think a lot of times people look at it strictly as a business. You know, do I want to be a podcaster? And and I look at it really as another way to to do two things: to create. Another form of content that is also easily shareable, that's portable, that, you know, people can walk around and subscribe to it and listen to it on their iPhone. But one of the greatest benefits, and I, I'm guessing you're going to agree with me on sure. this next point, is the the access that it can give you. Sure. So I know when I started, I started podcasting actually in 2005. And the real reason I did it was certainly it was, that was the first, kind of wave one of podcasting. It was this new thing. But a lot of the people I wanted to talk to were authors and thought leaders and people that were on the uh, the cutting edge of some of the new technology, online technology coming along. And so, by you know, if I'd have sent those people an email and said, "Hey, I'd like to pick your brain for about thirty minutes," you know, I get no response at all. But if I send them, (laughs) I send them an email that says. I'd love to interview you for my podcast uh, and you know help promote uh, a project or a book that you're working on. I mean, I get sure thing responses instead, and so the access that podcasting or this idea of interviewing people over the years has given me has just been tremendous. And you can you know you don't have to be wanting to interview or get access to famous authors. I know people that that salespeople that have effectively created podcasts, let's say their target is a CEO of a mid uh corporation, 15, $20 million corporation. Well, they start a show interviewing CEOs of mid-level or mid-size corporations. Of course, they all have PR firms by that point and their PR firms are just dying to get them any kind of coverage. And so they'll uh, agree to doing these shows and they just, you know, they interview them about the success secrets or the challenges of getting your business to that point. Well, all of a sudden that person then starts, uh, you know, maybe they're actually talking to a prospect (laughs) that they're interviewing. But if nothing else, they start getting seen as somebody who's really an important player or an authority in that, in those circles. And so, I mean, imagine how valuable, uh, if that was your target market as a salesperson, imagine how valuable having a set of about 50 interviews of people that fit your ideal uh, description would be as a content asset. I think when people start getting that, in their brain as opposed to oh I want to be a podcaster like Jordan. Uh, I think think all of a sudden it makes sense for just about anybody.
0: Yeah I think so and I don't know if anyone's ever said that but if they have then they're giving me way too much credit. (laughs) Now back to the show. That's great. And that's a really good point. Access is huge. I mean, one of the reasons that I started and still do the show is because, sure, I can call somebody like you and say, hey, I'd love to speak with you. And you'd go, okay, where's the ROI? Because I've got a lot of people who want to do that, even though it seems like you're running a business, blah, blah, blah. And then I say, oh, and also... Once I do speak with you, I'm going to record it. And then like a 100,000 people are going to listen to it over the next few months. Then it's like, all right, when do you want to do this? And I can ask anything I want. A lot of people go, oh, well, you know, a lot of the stuff that this guest has talked about was discussed on another show, or maybe I saw this on his website and stuff like that. But very rarely do I get those kinds of emails. Usually I get emails like, wow, I heard stuff from this person that I've never heard elsewhere. And the reason is not because I'm doing so much you know digging and trying to find the sweet spot it's because i'm sincerely just asking things based on my own curiosity
1: yeah and that's so important i can't tell you how many times i've been interviewed uh, especially when i have a new book come out and and my publicist will get us on you know this radio show and that radio show just because we you know we we're selling our souls at that point, and uh, right. you know, you could tell the interviewer has not cracked the book there or if they have, they're looking at the table of contents and they're saying so in chapter five you tell me about this. and I it just it's so painful to go through interviews like that and and I mean, it's the same thing. I you know I've had this podcast for myself for a long time, and I just genuinely enjoy the conversations that I end up having with uh, the folks that I have on my show and I, I think that that comes across and and obviously, you know, over preparation, I think is is actually the the depth of, you know, having a really great conversation.
0: I agree. I think that's important to bring that back around to the content, which is that if you can bring that into the workplace, into that area of quote unquote expertise that we're trying to find, one, it'll help you find an appropriate area in which to become an expert because that passion carries over. And two, it helps you teach it to other people. Because when you're really interested in the subject, essentially, then you're having conversations with other people about it. You're not just going, "Ugh, I guess I'm the digital currency expert now. <laughs> right, you know?
1: right. Yeah. Wah, wah, right. So. <laughs> and I think that one of the ways to to get, you know, in-depth knowledge about something is to have to teach it. And so I think if you actually even take that idea and, and start thinking, OK, what, what would I have to do or how would I have to prepare if I was going to have to teach this to somebody? And that's one of the reasons a lot of people, tell experts that they need to be speakers and they need to get out there on a, on a platform. There's no question that, you know, you go to a conference and the, the people up there on the platform, even if you're going, well, I know more than that dummy, you know, certainly the perception is that that person's an authority and an expert and, and people want to hire that person and pay that person more just because of that. And really what I often tell people is, you know, even if they don't want to be a paid speaker or they aren't very confident about their speaking ability, one of the benefits of, of having that kind of forced environment where you're going to go up and you're going to get in front of a bunch of people and talk about it, uh, a subject is that it forces you to really get some in-depth knowledge about that subject.
0: That's how I got through law school. I made friends with all the smart kids and had them teach me towards the end, and they were getting really good at it by teaching me, and I was getting really good at it by being able to basically have one-on-one instruction on every single subject it is a crash course a month or so before each exam. Well,
1: I, I also love speaking, too, because there's so many people that talk about it, and I'm sure you see this all the time when you're dealing with folks that, that maybe you're trying to help them build confidence. You know, one of the greatest things you can do is go up there and do something that you're really afraid to do and then realize, hey, nobody died. I think it's such a great confidence builder. Every business owner that we work with, I try to get to embrace that, that idea because it it makes them better at selling. It makes them better at writing. It makes them uh, better, more prepared uh, to, to articulate in simple terms the, the, you know, the concepts that they need to get across. And that doesn't mean they're any good at any of it at all, but they make advances in all of those elements uh, by simply putting themselves in that situation.
0: Excellent. I agree with that. In fact, investing heavily in that area of myself this year um, to getting really like high end and unfortunately highly expensive speaking coaches to make sure that I can really knock talks out of the park, accepting pretty much every speaking opportunity that I can get here or anywhere for that matter. Because I've noticed that as my skill as a presenter and speaker goes up, it's directly impacting the, the way I can make an impression of the Art of Charm as a business in other settings. And I I sort of underrated that before because speaking was, you know, logistically kind of a pain. Designing PowerPoint, which I now realize you can just hire someone else to do, is not a skill that I wanted to learn. And so becoming really kick-ass on stage or even just speaking to a smaller group, I think is a skill that anybody can get a ton of value from, whether you're a sales guy selling petroleum byproducts or whatever, or drill bits to somebody who's maybe not interacting with a lot of people at all and is sitting in a cubicle coding right now while listening to this, I think would benefit even more from speaking because it's sort of like social interaction on steroids because you're just up there magnified times a hundred or more. And you've got every little thing that you're doing is being sort of scrutinized. And that's why it's so terrifying, but it's, that's why it's also so much value. It's like running a marathon.
1: Well, and I think I think the other skill that you really pick up from doing that, too, is over time, you know, an audience reacts totally differently than, say, one person across the table. And so you start really finding and refining these sound bits and these ways to simplify maybe extremely Complicated things. I mean, you're not going to survive, you know, giving a presentation about petroleum byproducts unless you can really simplify what you're talking about, and and that's probably one of the best sales skills you can develop. the The other uh, point, and maybe you've had other uh, people talk about this if you've talked about public speaking before, but uh, I'll tell you another uh, bit of advice that I received a few years ago, and I will tell you is, is dead on: is uh, go take some improv. Um, if, if you want to yes. really get good at public speaking or really get better at just how you are and how you're being and understand your movements and things uh, and how people react to those, uh, it, is, it is incredibly humbling, uh, but it is also incredibly, incredibly satisfying uh, to, thing to do. I will tell you the element of that that I think can be extremely useful. So, I mean, even over to your gentlemen that are on here just trying to say, how do I up my game in my social setting, in my social world, Uh, that this idea of listening online is a skill that really people should bring into their everyday lives. And what I mean by that is simply filtering and aggregating information that makes them smarter, that makes them more worldly, that makes them understand maybe a specific topic or a specific industry or what's going on in the world, uh, in politics or in, you know, whatever subject they want to follow. I think using some of the online tools that allow you to, you know, kind of listen to A almost customized stream of news is really, I think, something that instead of picking up your daily local newspaper is really, uh, I think, a skill and and a habit uh, that really all of us ought to get into.
0: How do we start doing that? And that's a good point. I guess I do follow like local stuff on Twitter. If I hear sirens, it's like, oh, look at this fire. And it's like seven hours later, it's
1: on SF gate, right? Yeah, there is no news. Uh, anymore in the newspaper. No question. It can be as simple as I use a tool called Feedly, for example. And Feedly is an RSS aggregator, which all that means is that if I find 200 blogs that I think write about cool stuff or write about new trends in this or write about you know, new products in this, you know, all the kinds of things that, you know, you might find in Esquire magazine, right, that you, you've subscribed to maybe for years. Well, now you can create your own custom magazine of those feeds. And so you find some really intelligent writers or people that just are you know, writing about stuff that you want. It can be a, it can be fiction writers. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you, you can subscribe to that and anything new that they're putting on their blog or on their website will just come into this feed reader and you can just scan through it and, and really keep on top of a lot of information. Uh, without having to work very hard to do it, because it's all kind of hand spoon fed to you. I mean, it's a little bit of work to set up your news feed or your news stream that brings you just the information you want. But you, once you get it set up, it's it's extremely easy and it's it's done for you. And now, you know, there are apps. So that you can you can have it on your desktop, you can have it on your laptop, you can have it on your iPhone. And so you really have kind of access to uh, the information that you want to consume in kind of snack-sized bites. And, and I think that that, uh, quite frankly, I think that's something that uh, anybody who's trying to get ahead in the world and in life uh, is a great way to stay plugged in without just you know having to scour through all kinds of information. Right, especially the
0: noise factor, the drama factor in most mainstream news is not Oof. worth your time. I try
1: to get her to just come over to a, a different site but my wife, you know, originally signed up for Yahoo and that's, you know, she religiously stayed with that and every now and then I'll I'll open up Yahoo because she's trying to show me something and it's just, you know, I don't need to know what the Kardashians had for lunch. I really don't.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it, it's funny but there is so much information pollution out there and I think when I talk to some of the like ADD experts and some of the productivity experts and things like that, they're they're constantly harping on the idea that When you get distracted, you don't recover and then switch right away. Expert multitasker, you're getting annihilated, inundated, and your attention span is getting annihilated by just tons of garbage that can take you, as the science shows, up to fifteen minutes to recover from. So it's important to have to stay focused. And what do you think is the most important skill for getting ahead? Period. I mean, is it really kind of the old cliche, which is like relationships, and it's about who you know?
1: Well, I think those are clearly important elements, but of course, you know, when people say that's the key, you know, that's when you get those, those stalker, you know, types <laughs> of yeah. people and say, Oh, you know, I got, I, I have to know these influential people. Um, and I, you know, I don't think that's how you necessarily get ahead. I, I don't have the answer. How's that? I will tell you that what has been the secret to whatever level of success that I have achieved and people just have to decide whether that that's legit answer or not, but uh, it, it's curiosity it's to me one of the things that has you know i'm i'm 53 years old and i you know people look at me as being on the cutting edge in some circles of some of this technology. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that I'm just really interested and curious about how things work and how they change and how I can break them down and how I might make them you know, simpler uh, for somebody else to understand. And I think that whatever application you're in, so let's take that back to the relationship building. I think one of the ways that you build really strong relationships is to be really curious about what makes other people tick and, and about what they're working on and about how you might help them. And I think that that, you know, that kind of thread of remaining curious, not necessarily for your benefit, but for the sake of your own learning and for the sake of serving others uh, is really the tool that is going to kind of sew all of that together. Great.
0: Thanks so much, John. Excellence. Uh, Ducttapemarketing.com. We're going to have that linked up in the show notes as well. What should we consume? What should our next action step be? Or should it be not to consume anything, but do something else instead?
1: Yeah, you know, um, this is kind of counter. I should be pitching my next, my last book, but I, I will tell you that uh, other people have said this. I'm not the first person to say it. I will tell you one of the things I started doing a couple months ago is, uh is, turning my phone off for extended periods of time and, and not checking it you know, religiously every uh, 20 minutes and it's amazing how, uh, how de-stressing that actually is.
0: I'm sure, well thanks so much. I'm gonna turn off my phone right now and go for a bike ride and I really appreciate your time. Awesome. This one was interesting because I wanted to really take entrepreneurial ideas and small business ideas and plug them into real-life workplaces. Because I realize a lot of you guys out there aren't necessarily entrepreneurs or even aspiring entrepreneurs, but I wanted to make this stuff growth-oriented for you guys anyway. And I hope there was some value there. I feel like there's a lot that can be taken, especially even if all you take away with this is just go out, get speaking engagements as much as you can, and get leadership and content creation positions as much as you can. I think that will do you and your career a huge solid. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and I'll see you next time. Special thanks to you guys for listening, show feedback, and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let me know, jordanh at theartofcharm.com. And of course, boot camp details there as well. Go ahead and email or call me. Honestly, that's the best way to get in touch, and I'll give you everything you need to know about our programs here in LA. If you guys are listening but you're not subscribed to iTunes or Stitcher, go ahead and make the change there, because getting your shows delivered free to your phone or computer while you sleep is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. Just go to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and search for The Art of Charm. That's it. And if you guys want to write us a nice review, we'll love you forever there as well, because it helps other people find us, and it's really important to keep our show ranks up. So tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social, and leave everything and everyone better than you found them.